Amen. Ken, Ken, why don't you come, come on up here, buddy. Ken, come on up here. You know, the Bible's clear about making memorials when God does something, you know. And Ken, would you come on up here? You, I know you got, that, you got that big fancy camera. Long after we're gone, if the Lord tarries, if the Lord tarries, um, we want our kids to know what God did here. We want to know how God used this school. <laughs> yeah, so smile. Yeah, just get some pictures, man. We, we, want, we want to remember this. God's doing something. When God does something, you take notice, and, and you tell the story. He's doing something, not so we can pat ourselves on the back, but so that he gets glory, right? And as long as we always point to him and give him the glory, give him the credit, we're supposed to do that because he gets glory when we celebrate what he is doing. So get some pictures real quick, would you, brother? You've got some pictures? Yeah. All right. I do, honest. All right. Well, hey, you know what? Just take a few while, while we're here. Um, but if you were at the sweat box on... Uh-uh. <laughs> yeah. Trust me, they deserve a round of applause. But hang on. Don't, don't clap for them yet because what we're going to do... If you were there May 19th uh, in the sweat box, also known as uh, Life Spring, would you stand? I just want to honor you. And thank you for being faithful and helping build this. Come on. Let's honor people. Yes. Thank you for seeing the vision. Thank you for staying the course. That's awesome. We also have uh, Terry and Jamie. Where are you guys at? Terry and Jamie. Where are you at? Come on. Did they not show? Oh, they are in trouble if they didn't show. Because I know they're in town. They're in town for spring training. Oh, you're back there. All right, so, so, so Tara and Jamie are, are from GVCC. They were people that helped us originally get, get off the ground and helped, uh, you know, just provide some coaching and, some, and just a whole lot of stuff. So they were, they've been a huge blessing, and they just happen to be in town. And the cool thing about Tara and Jamie, they love the gathering so much that they are moving from Placerville to here to join the gathering next year. It's cool what God's doing. But, you know, we went from, we went from LifeSpring to CFTN, and from CFTN we begin here today, our new chapter. But what God is doing here is extraordinary. It's, it's unusual. And, it, you know, we've got people coming to Christ, people coming back to Christ, people who have been burnt by the church. Let's just keep it real, okay? And, and, and thought, you know, man, I don't know if I could, could ever go. I had one person say, buddy, don't mess this up because the last time I'm going to trust a pastor. <sighs> And I looked at him and said, you know what? I will mess this up, and I already have, okay? Because here's the thing. No one's pointing to a pastor at this church. Everyone who stands on the stage will point directly to Jesus because he will not let you down. Amen? But sometimes as we follow God, we kind of feel like nomads, right? We feel like people that are always moving. And if we're honest, it's hard to follow God. I mean, let's be honest. Christians are not always good at following God. I know that's true of me. I can admit it. And that's why we're kicking off this, this new series today, Following Christ, right? Because that's what the Christian life is all about. I remember back in 2008, God called me from the great state of Ohio. Go Bucks. He called me to leave Ohio and take my first... <laughs> You're from Michigan, okay? So we need to pray for you. 
But he called me to leave uh, and, and my family to, to take my first church job in California, right? I was going to work for a church. It's got to be awesome, right? Working for Jesus. Oh, my Lord, God. It was rough, okay? So I loaded up the, the U-Haul, and at that time, a family of five, because my, uh, our youngest daughter was uh, in, in mommy's belly. She was eight months pregnant, which made the move even a little more challenging. And we get out to California and started working at the church, and three weeks into the job, it was really clear that it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. You ever had buyer's remorse? <laughs> yeah. I had buyer's remorse. I thought... What's going on? And I remember we had Saturday and Sunday services, and someday we may have that too, but right now we're on Sundays. But it was a, it was a Saturday night after the, the service that I, I drove out to this house where we were staying. It was in a town called Lake California. I was working in Redding, California. And um, I, I was out overlooking the Sacramento River, and it was quiet, and I, you know, I just come from the service, and things were not going well, and I was, I got, I sat on the hood of my car, and I was looking at the river, and I just cried out to God. I said, God, why'd you bring me out here? Why? Why, why are you letting all this stuff happen? I was following you, God. Can anybody relate to that? Yeah. You see, that would continue for four years. For four years, God would allow that season to occur. You see, God was awakening within me a new level of surrender. He was teaching me that to be a good leader, I first needed to learn how to be a good follower. And I wasn't. Aristotle actually pointed that out. He said, he who cannot be a good follower cannot be a good leader. In the Christian life, friends, it's all. It's all about following. And it's hard. It's hard to be good followers. But, but something happens. When we willingly submit to Christ and when we, we willingly align ourselves under his authority, under his leadership, something changes from within us. God does something. He's able to do something when we get out of the way and we follow him. You see, God was taking me to school. I went to seminary, but I couldn't learn this stuff in, in seminary. They don't teach you this stuff. God was taking me to followership school 101. He was, he was freeing me from me, from my pride, from um, my desire to control, my, my desire to impact the outcome. And the funny thing is, it was... It wasn't about the external journey. It wasn't about the move to California. It was about an internal journey, a journey of the heart, setting me free. Here's the big idea. Following leads to freedom. Say that with me. Following leads to freedom. Question for you. What is God trying to free you from today? See, it's different for all of us, right? Our bondage looks a little bit different for each of us, but the truth is he's trying to set us free. And here's, here's, here's one thing I can promise you. He will use the process of following him to do so, to, to accomplish freedom in your life. If you have your Bibles, look at Exodus 13. Exodus 13, the Israelites were slaves uh, to the Egyptians for 400 years. And God allows uh, some miraculous plagues to get the attention of the Egyptian leader, Pharaoh. So Pharaoh finally agrees to let the Israelites leave town and so 80-year-old Moses leads 2 million folks out into this journey. If you think you're too old to be used by God, 
Oh, you better not say that around me. 80 years old, and God calls him and says, I got a plan for you. And so he leads, begins leading two million Israelites across the desert. I can't even lead a family of six to Flagstaff. <laughs> I can't even imagine that. But this three-week journey, it should have been a three-week journey, took them almost 40 years. See, normally, they would have gone the northerly route. You got a picture of that. They would have gone north on the coast, which would have been about a 250-mile journey to Canaan. But God had other plans. God took them the southerly route, and it took a lot longer, and it was a lot farther and a lot more difficult. And you say, well, wait a second. Why wouldn't God just destroy, and, and part of the reason they, they didn't want to go north was, uh, God didn't take them north, was the enemies, uh, Philist the Philistines were up north, right? And you think, well, wait a second, God could just destroy the Philistines. Like he did that to the Egyptians, you know, the whole story about the Red Sea, and wiped them out, right? Well, he could do that too. Why wouldn't he do that? Because what God wanted to destroy existed in the hearts of his people. Pride, selfishness, fear, lust, discontentment. So that long, arduous journey was a journey of freedom. Exodus 13, verse 21. By day the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, so that, so that they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. Lord, we just thank you that you are present in our life and that you want to teach us how to follow. Forgive us, God, forgive me for not always following and not being good and not always being obedient in my followership, God. Thank you for teaching us something new and fresh today. In Jesus' name, amen. Truth about following God. Here we go. If you're taking notes, write this down. Following happens in inches, not miles. Inches, not miles. So they had this, this pillar of cloud that would lead them in the day. Pretty cool, right? Pretty cool to have this pillar. And you say, well, what did, what did the pillar look like? I don't know. I wasn't there. But here's a better question. How far in front was that pillar? Answer, right in front of them. I want to point out this truth. God doesn't beckon us from the destination. He beckons us from the desert. The destination was 250 miles if you took the short route. But he didn't go there. He was right in front of them, inches in front of them, saying, come on, take the next step. We, we have a view of God that we need, to get, we need to get rid of. We think that God's like somewhere on a beach, like the Dirk Bentley song, right? We got a little picture, right? That's what we think of God. Like God's just chilling by the Mediterranean Sea, waiting for, for the uh, Israelites to make it. When you make it there, we meet God there. That's not how God is. God is not a, a distant God. He may feel distant at times, granted, but he is ever-present in our life. You say, well, wait a second. If God is close and personal and present, why don't I have a cloud? I don't wake up and leave my garage and, and see a cloud to lead me where I need to go. You're right. You don't have a cloud. you got something better. Thanks to the, to the new covenant in Christ, we have the Holy Spirit. Remember John 16, 13? But when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. We have a guide that's closer than the cloud. 
I mean, the cloud was close for the Israelites, but we got a cloud called the Holy Spirit that dwells within us. The minute you accept Christ, takes up residence inside you and is your teacher and your guide. How cool is that? Man. But some of us would say, you know, if he's a guide, if he's a tour guide, God's a lousy tour guide. Oh, he said that. Think about it. I mean, if God was in business as a tour guide, he'd be out of business, right? None of us would pay to go on that tour because we measure success as getting from point A to point B as quickly as we can, right? But we learned a couple weeks ago that the longest way around with God is the shortest way home, right? The longest way around is the shortest way home. And so God, if he was a tour guide, we'd be mad at him. We wouldn't go on that tour. We wouldn't go on that safari. Because we focus on the arrival time. And the arrival time with God is always elongated. You see, what we see as delays, he sees as development. Right? I need, I need some help illustrating this. Uh, I need someone really tall. Dave, Dave Foldish, are you here? He ain't tall. Jeez. Okay. Dave Foldish, come on up here. Dave, Dave's, Dave's really tall, and I need someone really short. Israel. Come on up here. Come on. Israel, where you at? All right, come on up here. Come on up here, Big Dave. Israel. All right. Oh, you did, he didn't even use the stairs. I guess when you're that big, you don't need the stairs, huh? Those little guys need stairs. Come here. All right, so here, come on. All right. Oh, yeah, I need this too. Okay, so you're going to hold this mic. I don't like to trust people with mics too much, okay? I'm going to trust you with this mic, okay? All right. You, ner- you nervous? Look like you're shaking, brother. All right, come here. Okay, hang on. Face each other. Now. All right. We're going to put this down here. All right. Now, this isn't going to be what you think. And by the way, if you take pictures and put this on Facebook, put a caption underneath this thing because they're going to be like, what kind of church are you guys? Okay. So you're going to represent God. All right. I know that's weird because you think this, this guy's going to represent God. God's not always like you think, okay? And so you're going to represent God, and you're going to represent just us, humanity, okay? And here's what we do. I need a little help here. Hang on. Uh, Binoculars. There you go, big guy. All right, what I want you to do is I want you to look off into the distance with the binoculars, okay? And here's what we do. (laughs) A little bit closer. Yeah, get get all all up into the business, all right? All right, right there. Again, please put a caption, okay? Here's what we do. We look for God in the distance, right? What we do is we think that if I get through this season, if I get through this struggle, hang on, God. It's the only time I get to to tell God to hang on. So we look for God, you know, if I get through the season, if I get through this struggle, if I get through the sickness, that he's waiting for me on the other side, right? In the promised land. I just got to get there. Wrong. That is immature Christian thought right there. And we're not going to allow that to happen here. Why? Because we need, instead of binoculars, let me take these off. You already got glasses. Instead of binoculars, these are readers. Are those readers? These are readers. 1.0. Walmart, Walmart's finest. Ooh, boy, that sign is blurry. No, right, because you're not supposed to look at the sign. The point is, 
look at God, and in God you say, I'm, I'm done. Right I'm right here. There you go. I'm right here. Try to say it like James Earl Jones, like, you know. I'm right here. <laughs> a little, little deeper. I'm right here. No, deeper? All right, I'm working with you. Okay. <laughs> God is right here all along, right? We look for God out there, and God's like, whoa, I'm right here. Amen? Come on, give him, give him, give him a round of applause for the help. Thanks, guys. Thanks, man. You're a good man. Basketball player, I think. But we do that, right? We look for God off into the distance, and God's like, I was right in front of you all along. I was right here. You know, people talk about uh, a leap of faith, right? I just, I'm going to take a leap of faith. And, 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 and sometimes that, that term might apply, but I think it's not a leap of faith. Most often, faith is a step of faith, right? I mean, how often do you have to take a leap of faith compared to the many times you simply have to take a step of faith? It's, it's, it's a measure of inches with God and not miles. And then you see someone like a, a pillar, right? Someone who's like a man of God or a woman of God that you really trust, and you're like, man, they're, they're, they're like at the top of the mountain. How'd they get there? There's an old saying that if you see someone at the top of a mountain, they didn't fall there. Right? They got there by following God one step at a time. No shortcuts. The longest way around is the shortest way home. You take one step after another, one step after another, because following happens in inches, not miles. And you know what? Thank God he knows us. He knows our humanity. He knows better than to give us too much. Because if he gives us too much and reveals too much of that plan all at once, bad things happen. If you don't believe me, just look at your history books. Alexander Fraser Teitler was a Scottish jurist and historian, and he wrote this. The average age of the world's great civilizations has been 200 years. These nations have progressed through a sequence from bondage to spiritual faith, from spiritual faith to great courage, from great courage to liberty, from liberty to abundance, from abundance to selfishness, from selfishness to complacency, from complacency to apathy, from apathy to dependency, from dependency back to bondage. And that should make you pucker because our nation, we can see a lot of similarities, can't we? And God knows not to give us too much to reveal his plan in inches. We follow him in inches. And that's why God rationed the food, right? Exodus 16, what did God do? He provided, God created the, any, any military folks in here? We love the, yeah, we love the military in this church. We honor our military. We stand for our military in this church. But did you know that God created the first MRE? The meal ready to eat, Right? It's called manna. Yeah. And, and, and what happened is, is, is he would create this uh, flake, flaky bread-like substance that would magically appear as the Israelites woke up. And there it was. There was food. There was breakfast on the ground all around them. But what did he say? He said, only take what you need for that day. He rationed his people with the food supply. Of course, being disobedient people like we all are, what, what did people do? They, they tried to save some overnight. Right? I'm going to take a little extra because more is better, right? What happened to their, their food stash? 
Maggots. They woke up to a maggot-filled infestation of manna. Why? Because God's a rationing God. He loves us enough to ration us. Thank you, Jesus. Some blessings of God have an expiration date. Did you know that? Some blessings from God are meant for today. They, meant, they aren't meant to, to be carried into tomorrow. I know that sounds crazy because we think more is more. But with God, he is a rationing God, and some blessings have an expiration date. And so we need to let go of yesterday's blessing. We need to let go of yesterday's anointing. We need to let go of yesterday's provision and even let go of yesterday's mercies. Lamentations 3. God's mercies are new every morning, right? And so part of the challenge as we follow God in inches, not miles, is, is, is letting go of that thing that was yesterday's thing. Oh, it was awesome, and, and, and praise God for it, but we need to let go of that. We just went through that as a church. We had to let go of life spring. Now, that was kind of easy. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> the air conditioner didn't work. It, it, was, it, was, it was rough. But then we went to CFTN, and it was a little more comfortable. You know, kind of, I kind of, I kind of like this, right? And God had to kind of say, you know, you know, because sometimes we settle. Sometimes I settle for so much less, and and so we had to let go of that. And look what he—I mean, look at the improvement. He had this for us all along. But someday, someday, and maybe sooner than later, judging by the amount of folks here, someday we're gonna have to let go of this. We're looking at land, actually, right now. I'll update you as soon as I know more. But we're going we're gonna to build a church, and, 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 and God's going to do great things through this church. But, you know, if we don't let go of things, we become spiritual hoarders. Spiritual hoarders. Put that picture up. Come on. Come on, Tom. There you go. Spiritually, our lives can look like that if we hold on to stuff from yesterday that we weren't meant to hold on to. And, and we look at, oh, yeah, holding on to the bad stuff. No, no, I'm even talking the good stuff. Sometimes good stuff that comes from God says, yeah, but it has, the man has an expiration date on it. And we need to let go of it, lest we become spiritual hoarders. You see, slavery is alive in America. And it's dressed up as abundance. Well, someone better say amen on that. Slavery is alive in America, and it's dressed up as abundance. We, this, this desire to acquire, the more we have, the better we're going to be. Wrong. In fact, you want to know the most jacked up people I know are the people that have the most money, the most stuff. And if you have money and God trusts you, praise God. Praise God, because you're a, you're a very few, your, your, your group is very small. Because most people, we can't handle money. And so God gives us things in inches. The Lord's Prayer, Matthew 6, 11. Give us this day our daily bread, right? What happens to bread after a few days? Yeah, it gets stale. It gets, it gets hard. It gets, it gets moldy. And it becomes useless. So too it is with us if we get too much stuff. So we need our daily bread. We need to, 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 to chase God, to, to follow God in inches each and every day. You know, God's plan... It's revealed in inches. And thank God, because think about this, guys. What if God gave you the entire plan all at once? Like, think about it. If, if, if the day before you were going to get married, God could, you know, show you just a couple of clips from your marriage. Like, the first clip is like an argument, right? An argument where, you, where you know, your wife says to you, you drive me crazy. 
Not in the way you think that we thought we would drive our wives. No, no. You drive me crazy. And then fast forward to another clip. God shows you her saying, I can't stand being in the same room with you. Oh, that wouldn't happen in a marriage. Or how about this one? He fast forwards a little bit farther down the road and she says, I'm not sure if I love you anymore. What would happen if we knew all the challenges? What happened if, if he fast forwarded and he led us in miles? Tilt, like the pinball machine, tilt, right? Or, or, or for the, the Mac spinning wheel or, or Netflix buffering? Uh, we're overloaded, right? And so God says, I'm gonna give this to you a little bit at a time because I'm gonna, I'm gonna lead you in inches. We need to learn to love and to live in the inches because following happens in inches, not miles. And secondly, following positions us for protection. Following positions us for protection. You see the cloud, it leads them out of Egypt, right? And they get to the Red Sea and Pharaoh's mad and what does he do? He sicks his army on him. 600 chariots. Go get them, boys. What happens? They, the, the, the Israelites see the army. And what do they do? They start to grumble. You're going to take us out here to die? I'd rather be a slave in Egypt. And, and be careful because that's us. That is all, all of us have been there. All of us have grumbled. To, so let's not blame that on the Israelites because we've been there too, right? We grumble. But I love, I love, I love, I love the response of Moses. Listen to him, Exodus 14. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Someone came to church to hear just that. That's it. For somebody, that is for you today. I'm going to read it again because it needs to sink into your spirit. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. You mean following sometimes means being still? Absolutely, I do. Sometimes following means stay put, just be still. Oh, but I want to move, I want to fix this. Oh, no, no, God doesn't need you to fix it. He doesn't need your help. He needs you to be still. But watch how God fights. Verse 19, the angel of God who had been traveling in front of Israel's army withdrew and went, uh, went behind them. The pillar of cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. Throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to one side and light to the other, so that neither went near the other all night long. You see what's happening? This cloud that they followed, the cloud that led them, circled back and became a wall of obstruction. Don't be looking at that baby. <laughs> hey, listen. We are a messy church. And you know what? There's people who have, have crying children who need to hear the word of God. Amen. Amen. We're a family of God. And, and families love people, even when it's harder to love someone. So this, this, this uh, cloud that was leading them became an obstruction. In other words, providing protection, this great wall. You think Trump's wall's big? That's like a little curb. 
That's like stepping over a curb. You know what I'm saying? Like this wall, this Holy Spirit wall was this wall of the cloud. You, you, they weren't getting around that one. They weren't going under it. They weren't going over it. They were stuck. It provided this obstruction. Do you know that the enemy right now is coming against you? The thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy, right? The enemy of darkness, read Ephesians 6, right? There's this, there's this spiritual world that we don't like to talk about, but it's real. It's there. He is coming against you. He's coming against your family. And, and the Holy Spirit is, is, is fighting off, uh, is obstructing the forces of darkness. Second uh, Thessalonians 2, 6, and 7, Paul calls the Holy Spirit the restrainer of evil. The Holy Spirit is literally restraining evil, obstructing evil from attacking you. That's big. That's the cloud. So, so this, this cloud, this following God, it provides protection that we need. We had one of our team members that uh, actually had a witch come, and a practicing witch lives here in, um, in Surprise, and was there, some kids were at the park, or kids were at the park, and came against her and, and began you know, uh, basically putting curses, trying to put curses on the kids. I'm not making this stuff up, okay? This, this happened, and she's a, a practicing witch. This is real stuff going on. We live in a real world, and the enemy really wants to kill you and destroy you and your family, and we need to step into the authority of Christ. But part of that is stepping in and doing our job and following. But as we follow... God does what only God can do, and he restrains evil. He obstructs evil. Listen, your position, your position determines your protection. You see, here was the Israelites. Here was the cloud, and here was the Egyptian army. The position on this side was light, blessing, provision, protection. On this side, darkness, death, and destruction. What was the difference? Their position in relation to the cloud. Your position dictates your protection. My question to you would be this. What side of the cloud are you on? What side are you on? Some of you uh, have heard the story of my journey to Paradise, California. Well, there's a second part of that that I didn't tell, that I need to tell today. You see, uh, for so, those of you that are new, last year in April, before deciding to start this church, I went uh, for an interview, a nine-day interview to Paradise, California uh, at, at Paradise Alliance Church. And after nine days of candidating, I was offered the, the position by the elders. It's a big church, it's big staff, big salary, benefits, the building's paid off, the worship center seats 1,400 people. Everything made sense, right? And so I said, I need three days to, to pray about it. They said, fine. I came home. My wife and I would talk. And we would wrestle with God. We'd probably wrestle with each other. But God would tell me, Stay. Be still. Didn't make sense. 
that's what he told me. Well, the part that I left off last time I talked about this story was I had gone there two months prior, two months before April. I went there, just Cindy and I, just for the first visit before we officially candidated, make sure they like me, right? And we went out there, and between that first visit, two months prior, and the, and the candidacy in April, I received a phone call. Cindy and I received a phone call from Tammy Bull. Tammy, are you here today? I think she's here. Where you at, Tammy? Back here. Tammy's back there. And so she's from, uh, where do you live, South Carolina now? Oh, you, oh, you moved to Texas, didn't you? Nice. Um, so I received, she, she operates, she, she has a prophetic gifting. And she, she called me up and said, you know, I want to talk to you and Cindy. God gave me a vision. I said, Awesome. Because we're in this season, like, come on, God, help me out. Speak through, you know, we're trying to make some life decisions. And she told me, uh, she told us that there was, uh, she had a vision of us. We are driving in a car. And in that car, the engine be- began to smoke. And all of a sudden, the engine caught on fire. All of a sudden, fire from the engine compartment made its way, traveled into the, the car, the cabin of the car. And the car was filled with smoke. And I believe the, said the kids were in there and we had to get out. And she, she, so she said, you know, just be careful. And she didn't know what we were doing. I mean, she didn't know the, the context really. Um, and, and we thought, I'm not really sure what that means, but I'm listening, God. Be careful, right? Well, on November 8th, as many of you know, fire engulfed the, the town of Paradise, destroying in a matter of hours, destroying about 90% of the town. The town's gone. And immediately I thought of that vision. And it occurred to me that all along, God was there fighting for me to protect us, to keep us on the right side of the cloud. And he used a woman from Texas, who I believe at the time was living in Carolina, to, to help See, that's why we're the body of Christ. That's why we're a family of God. We help each other. He speaks through each of us. See, I realized that God was positioned. Amen. But hang on. There's more. Because God also fought, was fighting for Fred Mitchell. Fred Mitchell is a member of Paradise Alliance Church. I got a Facebook message from, from him, and he's, he's, he's allowing me to share this. I got his permission. On May 26, 2018, let's put that up. He, he Facebook messaged me. He said, I feel like God is calling me to be part of the plans he has for you building a church. I prayed two months ago that if God wants me to go to Arizona, he would send someone from the place he wanted me to go. I forgot about it until after you refused the CMA. CMA is Christian Missionary Alliance. That's the denomination which the church is part of. I don't know what he has planned for me, but my stay here has become stale and too complacent. Okay, that was, in, that was a few weeks after I, I declined the position. Fast forward to a, a message he wrote on, to me January 18th, 2019. He says, I know I said this before, but I don't know if you remember it or me, but God is calling me to his service through you. I was supposed to come in October, but I was stubborn and decided April was better. Uh Uh-oh. The closer to October I got, the worse the urge was to go. That's the Holy Spirit. That's the cloud. 
But I foolishly ignored God. My reward was I am now one of the 52,000 or more people who went through the campfire. Now I really must keep my April deadline to come be part of God's ministry through the gathering. Hmm. Amen. But we see that there's a cloud. The cloud was always there. Normally I'm on the wrong side of the cloud. I'm just going to be honest with you. But by God's grace and by the help of Tammy, I was able to keep my family on the right side of the cloud. God was fighting for him. God told him to come here. He said he refused. There's still blessing. There's still provision. God's still up. Romans 8, 28 is still in effect, right? He's going to cause all things to work together for good. But it just made the journey a little harder for him. He's living in a camp right now, a, a tent camp that they've set up. But I'm happy to report he had just signed up. Fred just signed up, right, Ken, for a family circle. And he will be out here in April to join our family. <laughs> Bottom line is, as we follow Christ, as you follow him each and every day, just know that he's fighting for us, right? He's fighting for us. He wants to liberate us. He wants to set us free from the bondage of this world and the bondage that lives within us. Following leads to freedom. Would you bow your heads with me just for a moment? As we get ready to, to close and to sing a song and to celebrate what God's doing. If you don't know Christ, man, I, freedom begins at salvation. The moment you say yes to Jesus, freedom begins. Eternity begins at that moment. And maybe there's someone here today that uh, has not yet made Christ your Savior. The Bible's clear, man. If you want to go to heaven, Jesus is the way. Jesus is the only way to eternity, to freedom. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to single you out. I'm not going to embarrass you. This is between you and God. I just want to know who I'm leading. But if you want to make that decision to, to, to step into eternity to, to say, you know what? I'm going to give my life to you. I want to be free. If that's you and you've never done that before, with every head bowed and every eye closed, just slip up your hand right now. Right now. Amen. Amen. Slip them up. Amen. Amen. For those of you that are raising your hands, I just want to lead you in a prayer. Just say, Jesus, forgive me. I need you in my life. And I confess you as Lord and Savior. I want to step into the freedom that only exists in you, through you. I make you my God. From this moment on, I belong to you. Use me for greatness in this life as I point people to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's celebrate. Let's celebrate. Come on. God is alive and well. And God is in the business of, of breaking chains, is he not? Can we, can, we, can we stand to our feet and can we just celebrate that God is alive and he is well and in this place, in a school that's usually used for things other than leading people to Christ, it's used for his glory today. He is breaking chains. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's do it. Woo!